Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. On Finest Work Songs, we just love to talk about classic albums, classic music. Sometimes it's an album that maybe one of us really loves or we've got a, a nostalgic pull for. Or sometimes it's an album that might have a little question mark about whether it's, it's classic or not. That is not the case today, I do not believe. This is one of those quintessential, unanimously acclaimed classic albums. I am super excited about this album, but Matt, we are an organization. We have business to take care yeah, of. Yeah, we do. And one thing is checking our email. Job number one here at <laughs> Finest Work Songs is checking our email. You can send us an email at finestworksongs at gmail.com. Occasionally we get these emails that are just really heartfelt and maybe they're asking these deep questions and we feel like we just got to bring them to a wider audience here on Finest Work Songs. So we do that in a little segment we call Kenny Gmail. This person writes, anybody looking for a smoke buddy? I mean, I'm not because I don't smoke. Are people using the comments on our blog posts about our epipods for hooking up? I it makes know. me wonder, like, did they listen to our Bob Marley epipod? Oh. And they're just like, yep, those are the guys. They get it. They'll be my buddy. <laughs> my smoke buddy. What do you do? You get together. You light up. Yep. And just and smoke. Stare and then... off in the distance and... and Ask each other very esoteric questions. I guess so. Yeah. Did your high school... Smoke pit? Oh, yeah. Everybody has a smoke pit. It was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> it was, man. Oh, do they have vape pits now? Vape pits. <laughs> they have probably vape lounges. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's run by the teacher who like went to late 90s like <laughs> lounges. Yes. The Mercury Lounge oh, or some, yeah. someplace like that. <laughs> and he's still wearing those like faux lizard skin shoes the yes. ones that kind of like point at the front oh, yeah. but then they square off oh yeah those are, I, I had those. <laughs> he's got some wide jeans on him. oh yeah what's he playing when you walk in there jamiroquai come on in kids this is a safe place to vape vaping <laughs> who just i know that we talk about this a lot but folks we get a lot of emails about vaping we get a, so, so many emails about vaping yeah so that's why we keep talking about it people want to know where to get certain flavors they want to know if certain vape stores are still open and operating, right, apparently. Google doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, because they have to come to us for that kind of detailed hey, can information. can you guys look this up for me? <laughs> and then they want to know if we want to hang with them and vape with them. You had the kids who smoked. It wasn't so stereotyped that, like, a lot of people smoked yeah, yeah. back then. But still, you kind of had what the smoke pit looked like. Yeah. Yep. I just can't picture a vape pit. A vape now. pit. Who goes in there? Is it our daughters, Matt? Are they in the vape pit? Oh, man. I hope not. I certainly hope not. Another Kenny Gmail. This is another short one. This one is in reference to our Feist, the reminder epipod. Feist has a new album coming out. Very nice. I want to get Chris's take on it. If you haven't listened to our Feist epipod, it was season one. He was your first guest. Yes. He was our second guest. Our, yeah, Chris Harrell, first. my first guest. Yeah. You always remember your first. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go back and listen to our Feist, the Reminder Epipod with guest Chris Harrell. But this person, uh, usnewtechnology at yahoo.com. Yahoo? Someone from Yahoo? This isn't some vape store. No. Maybe it's an executive from Yahoo. What do they have to say? This person is asking, is anyone here in a position to recommend lace top stockings? In a position. To. In a position. To. That implies, what is, that that implies, implies like you, social status. Or authority. Yeah, it's not an opinion. They're not I mean, looking for an opinion. I'm not looking for just anybody. You've got to have some knowledge and some gravitas. They say it takes 10,000 hours, 10, hours to become an expert in something. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> We show so much knowledge and insight, apparently. <laughs> on topics of albums that 
people think, surely it translates. Surely, they, if they know this much about the We Are the World recordings, <laughs> that they're going to know yeah. what type of lace top stockings to <laughs> yeah. suggest. Vaping and laundry. Who do we ask? <laughs> what? Who is our audience here? Who are you people <laughs> listening to this? Does this podcast only broadcast to trailer parks? But seriously, thanks for all the emails. Keep them coming. Again, finestworksongs at gmail.com. And maybe we'll read one of your emails in a future Kenny Gmail segment. We have a new segment as of this season. It's time for Share Time. <laughs> yes, nailed it. The pipes on that lady. I tell you what, I give Cher a hard time, that's, but that's uh, a great song. Man, man, man. What? <sighs> that's not Cher. We've uh, gone over this. We, and yes, and each time you've been wrong again, that is not Cher. Uh, let me bring it back in. Oh, this is Whitney Houston. Yes. Oh. Yep. Yep. Not share. My bad. (laughs) Man, I keep getting that wrong. For uh, an expert on such things as vaping Mm -hmm. and music, it's. uh, You would think that actually share would be the cross section of those two things (laughs) vaping and music (laughs) and battleships and lace stockings. All right. What is share time? Apparently, I don't know. (laughs) Share time is our opportunity to just offer up a referral or a recommendation or of something maybe that uh, we've come across recently that we think is of value or fun or just might be enjoyable that we just want to pass along to the finest work fans. All right. What do you got for us today, Matt? I used to be a more avid reader than I am these days. I still love to read. I feel like I, I have 10 minutes at the end of the night before I fall asleep to read something. So I don't read as much as I used to, but I did just finish reading The Boys in the Boat by Daniel James Brown. Like a lot of things, I'm about six months after the hype of this this book. I think it's like six years. Or now. maybe six years. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> no offense, but, but it's, it's such a great book about the 1936 boys. U.S. rowing team, <laughs> The Boys in the Boat. In the boat. And just as these almost like backwater, blue collar kids from University of Washington, many of them scraping to get by to stay in school and to, to go to college or competing to be the U.S. entry in the 1936 Berlin Olympics and to take on Germany and England in Hitler's Olympic Games and stuff. So you've got the element of an underdog story set in the setting of World War II on the horizon. It is funny to think about a blue-collar approach to such an Rowing. elitist sport. And that's a big part of it, too, is because you've got these long-standing East Coast Ivy League mm-hmm. elite schools that have dominated it, and then you have a, a couple of universities in California that are trying to sort of chip away at that. And so, yep, highly recommend The Boys in the Boat. No, that was a good book. Did, yeah, have you read it? Yeah. Oh, you did read it. Okay. Yeah, five years ago. <laughs> No, it's good. <laughs> Probably making a movie of it. And I think that's led to the resurgence of it being back out front and center at bookstores and things like that. It and if this movie was made like 25 years ago, I got to think Matt Damon would have been in it. For sure. All right. It's the Seattle Times. Two weeks ago, the new Boys in the Boat film gets a hometown welcome. George Clooney is the director and acting in it, apparently. Okay. Never heard of him, but that's okay. Doesn't say much about it. I don't recognize any of the names. Which makes sense. Like it's usually they have young actors in the season mm-hmm. movies, and these are often cast movies. Yeah, about the boys in the boat. It's not the boy in the boat. <laughs> Call me when you have the boy in the boat. <laughs> then I'll sign up for that leading role. Says Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, he'd be he'd be the waif in the waft. <laughs> 
Wow. You like that? That was good. He's a little thin guy. He is a little thin guy. I like the commercials with him. Trying to get on Apple, right? Yeah. Those, those are, are good. Yeah. He's yeah, relatable, Matt. He is relatable. I mean, yeah, he, he's every man. <laughs> That's right. All right, Matt, anything you have for us for share time this week? Matt, you know that, and listeners know, that Elbow is my favorite active band. I have to qualify yep. that since gotcha. R.E.M. is disbanded. That's what allows me to get away with having two favorites. Ah, yes. Lead singer is Guy Garvey, and he has a radio show on the BBC. Oh, wow. Called Guy Garvey's Finest Hour. And you could download the BBC app, and he just talks a little bit, plays music. That's cool. He plays great songs. He'll have different themes. Sometimes he has a guest on, but he's just a knowledgeable, mm-hmm. interesting person. And I get to fanboy over hearing someone that I admire and love their music. I would imagine he is able to also get some interesting guests. As not well. often. Not often. I'm sure he can. But it's not a huge part of the show. Right. But he'll have some inside stories, which is neat. And he'll play music that I haven't heard. So I've mm-hmm. picked up some new songs at least if not bands on saturdays i'll cook a family dinner Mm -hmm. and we eat at the table and play a game and just Mm -hmm. and it's always trying it's kind of a rhythm yep to slow down and enjoy cooking and so part of that is putting on a little radio show and listening i feel like i'm in 1930s or something listening to a radio show yeah so guy garvey's finest hour download the bbc app for free and check it out very cool and and kudos to you for offering up something on share time that's new That's our share time for this week. Is again, it's just an opportunity for us to offer up something that we think you might like. So, thanks again for listening to our share time. And I will you. I'll get it right next time. But yeah. any chance that we have to play that drop? Oh yeah, you do like a good drop, don't you? I won't just drop it once. I'll drop it deuce. <laughs> Remember season two when our tag, like our, <laughs> what do you call that? Our like outgoing like, like call outro, sign thing. Yeah. Or, yeah. Was dropping the dropping deuce. The deuce. <laughs> Former guest Whitney Houston was so adamant about Wh- hating Whitney, that. Whitney, Sorry. Whitney <laughs> hey, Whitney. <laughs> God, man, I don't even remember Whitney being on. <laughs> sure you do. <laughs> Whitney Chambers. Whitney. <laughs> yeah, she came on our Black Crows. Whitney Houston loves, oh, loves Black, Black Crows. Crows. I know two Whitneys, okay? I get them mixed up sometimes. Anyway, Whitney hated dropping the deuce. Yeah, she did. We'll have to bring it back. Dropping the deuce. We were so young and immature so back immature. then. Yeah. Gosh, we were not the broadcast professionals you're listening to today. All right. Speaking of today, what are we here to review, Matt? Today, we are here to review and to talk about the impact of Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. Brother, brother, there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Father, father, we don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the end. For only love can conquer 
The song starts out with that saxophone intro. In the liner notes for this album, the, the version I have is by David Ritz, who was Marvin's biographer and also wrote the lyrics to Sexual Healing. He said that the guy playing the saxophone was Eli Fontaine. Fontaine said he was just goofing around for the demo, to which Gay said, you goof exquisitely, and decided to keep it in there. Love it. It's like they almost know that anything they say could be... It's, it's being like saved for posterity. Yeah, and that speaks to... It seemed to be more of a vibe than a set. Jeff Lynn produced, now yeah. we'll do the snare. Yeah. Now we'll do the hi-hat. Very direct. Prescriptive and yeah, yeah, so that's cool that there was that. It's loose and intentional. Yeah, and that freedom comes from Marvin wanting to do it this way. Yeah. Breaking away from the Motown machine. I was thinking about that because as we'll get into it, he was in the perfect spot to make this album. So he's got a background in Motown, mm-hmm. musical chops developed, working with incredible artists throughout the 60s. He now has production experience with this band called The Originals, mm-hmm. who they say is the best kept secret, which I looked up and they're fine. So he's got production credit. He has a Rolodex of musicians <laughs> yeah. to work with. And then he has the pain that we'll talk about yeah. that he's bringing in. And so you combine all of that. If you just had the social issues, it'd be some annoying beatnik with yeah, yeah. a bongo drum <laughs> yelling at you. Yeah. And then if you just had the music, mm-hmm. it would be a great soul funk right. album. But yep. it really was like everything coming together. My point is you couldn't do this at any other time. Yeah. And I don't know who else could have done that. It reminds me of the Beatles ditching like the matching suits for Sgt. Pepper and Mm -hmm. moving on to all that stuff. It's a confluence of timing and issues and technology. And and despite all that and the sort of power and prestige and talent of Marvin Gaye, he still had to fight to get this album made, which is, in hindsight, is remarkable. But you can, again, you're talking the sort of jump you described from Motown to this. You could see where we like to joke about the music, the record exec. I'll be dead before this album ever gets made right we're making these hyperbolic kind of statements and and that was one of those situations where it's like the legend yeah and you you wonder did barry gordy really lay down such a definitive statement right we've joked about record executives only speaking absolutes absolutes (laughs) (laughs) and so it was to him like the worst album he'd ever heard right i mean it could just be like hey no thanks not now when people retell these stories, it seems that everyone there had a key part. Yeah. And so here's Smokey <laughs> Robinson talking. And he's talking to Barry Gordy, mm-hmm. who's the head of Motown. And Barry says, I don't like it. It's not commercial. I don't think they're going to play it on the radio, which also is not. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. He's just saying it's not commercial. 
at the time, it wasn't. It made the radio play it, right? but it right. was not like anything else. Look, man, Smokey told him, all the writers and artists love it. We think it's brilliant. I'm trying to talk him out of it, Barry said. That's like trying to talk a bear out of in the woods. Marvin ain't budging. <laughs> and scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did they really talk like that back then? Everything was like a little folksy statement. Right. <laughs> now, to Barry Gordy's credit, Marvin was not riding high at this point. Right. I mean, he was not on top of the charts. Mm -hmm. He had stepped back, which we got to talk about the tragedy that is Tammy Terrell. Right. Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell had seven top 40 singles. Wow. Ain't a mountain high enough, which was apparently inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Wow. You're all I need to get by. Ain't nothing like the real thing. Oh, yep. That was used in commercials when we were growing up. It had to have been. What was yeah. it? Ain't nothing. Let's look it up. It was, was like it Burger Coke? King or The Coke. real thing. Yeah. Burger King chicken tenders <laughs> in 1986. Let's play that one. That might be the one we're thinking real of. Real chicken. That's a knife cutting. Yep. This is what I remember. Yeah. Chicken tenders. Burger King introduces chicken tenders, real fillets of all white meat chicken breasts, white not meat. processed like nuggets, <laughs> delicious chicken Ooh, calling it out. Out. Boom. Dang. Dropping the hammer. We're coming for you, Ronald. Burger King, not chicken nuggets. Oh, in case you didn't real. hear us the first time. And we're using Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell to drive that home. We're not using some fake substitute no. song. First of all, it starts off with a knife being yeah. sharpened like a chef. Oh, yeah. Because you know that 15 and a half year old working at Burger King is back there like making sure his knives <laughs> yeah, are all sharp. Yeah. And it's a perfectly cooked chicken breast and they're just cutting strips of it off. Oh, yeah. And then it immediately shows it breaded. It doesn't show the process. Oh, yeah. And then they repeat <laughs> that whole sequence. The commercial is that twice. Yes. They're like, in case you missed how yeah. this gets made. Do you remember the BK Lounge? Did y'all have BK lounges up in Virginia Beach? I like that you think that you had a BK lounge in Dunn, North Carolina, and that we didn't so, have it in Virginia well, Beach, Virginia. So here's the reason I asked that, because I didn't know if it was like such a bad decision that they're like, we're going to try it there. We'll for try it with the North Carolinians. <laughs> it was sit down, you placed your order, they brought you your food, and you could have popcorn while you ate it. This had to be 90s. It was 90s. Okay. Yeah. And then Wendy's was like the Wendy's speakeasy. <laughs> Got to know the code to get in here. The Arby's peep show. <laughs> Come around back. Ring the doorbell. <laughs> Every restaurant was like, they have a lounge. What are we going to do? Arby's like, ah, we got you. Yeah. All right, so that's where I remember that song, though. And also, so often in the 80s, I feel like they used Motown songs yeah. in commercials. That would have been the age where kids who had grown up on it were now making the purchasing decisions, and so they're appealing to nostalgia. If you're new to this show, you just... Sorry. We'll get back to it. <laughs> Hang in there. We promise. So Matt, they had been performing together for years, had all these top 40 hits. They were this huge act. And then on October 14th, 1967... She collapsed into Marvin Gaye's arms at a concert at Hampton Sydney College, Matt. Did really? you know that? I did not know that. My brother's alma mater, all male school in Virginia, private school. Hampton Sydney had the money to bring them in. Yeah. Anyway, she survived almost three years, but had eight surgeries, had a brain tumor, mm -hmm. and this apparently just wrecked Marvin yeah. Gaye. Yeah. He didn't perform live, right? He even put out an album, but didn't tour and didn't perform live to support it. It wrecked him. He sank into a deep depression. He then starts to work out so he can 
play for the Detroit Lions, which I think is just fascinating at this time. Oh, yeah. Apparently, he, he really worked out with the dudes. Yeah, I think he worked out like with Eastern Michigan University, like their football team and their facilities, and just made a sincere effort to do that, which is, that, that kind of scratches on another element with Marvin Gaye, is he was very self-conscious of the fact that he was this beloved pop singer who had all these beautiful love songs and pop hits, but he didn't want to be known as a wimp. According to Barry Gordy and the Motown folks, like he was their sex symbol. He's really at a crossroads emotionally, artistically, physically, spiritually. All these things are coming together at this time. Matt, Tammy Terrell had a rough life, dude. I've not really dug into this, but she married James Brown when she was 17. Wow. And he was 29. She left him after he beat her up because... She didn't watch his entire performance. She entered into a relationship a few years later with David Ruff and the lead singer of The Temptations. Mm -hmm. She accepted his surprise marriage proposal that happened on stage and then discovered that he was already married. Oh, my gosh. He had a wife, three children, and another girlfriend in Detroit. (laughs) Jeez. And then he hit her. Yeah. Poor Tammy, man. Yeah. And so she probably felt very safe with Marvin Gaye. You hope so. Yeah. If that was the culture, you would hope that there was some safe places and that right. wasn't so yeah. misogynistic but yeah you're right he never got over it and then after retreating but also it's not only that he experienced the pain it's exactly at the same time that the country is experiencing this pain and then his own brother like you said is coming back from vietnam mm-hmm. the numbers of black soldiers in vietnam are staggering compared to the percentage of the population they made up that's the hard part to swallow right that's the impetus for this album and this song is a great way to kick it off. Yep. Matt, there have been some covers of this song. Okay. First of all, did you know that Cindy Lauper covered this on I her second not album? I know that. Is she three? Let's get to the chorus here. Let's see. Why? Yeah. It's her second album, too. Did she not have enough songs? Like, I don't... Honestly, why would they... I don't know why they would do that. It's one of those songs that just does not need to be covered. Well, Matt... Why don't you tell that to the all-star tribute, the artists against AIDS. What's going on? This is in 2001. Oh okay. P. Diddy. Yep. Recognize that? Is that Bono? Bono. Oh, brother, brother, brother. I don't remember who that is. I think that's Mary J. Blige. Blige. So the voices that you hear coming in and out are the Backstreet Boys. (laughs) They're just kind of like popping in and out. Hold on, let's see. As happens, Matt, mm-hmm. in the We Are the World vein, get artists together. Yep. If you are trying to make an impact in 2001, you need to 
laying the plane. Need the hammer. This is who you're going to be bringing in here. Let me tell me if you recognize this person. North Carolina's own Fred Durst. He's from North Carolina? He's from like Concord or Gastonia. I thought he was from like Florida. You would hope so. You, I didn't even look it up because yeah. he's not here yep. from Florida. Listeners, we try and tie in every episode somehow back Ding. to North Carolina. I apologize. I said earlier that there's no reason to redo that song, and clearly I was wrong. <laughs> I've been proven wrong. But gosh, man, that speaks of the times. Fred Durst. Rapping <laughs> on a track that had Lil' Kim, Nas, one of the best MCs. No, we're good. We've got someone. Uh, Wyclef, they had yeah. Usher, P. Diddy, but no. Let Fred take it. I don't know why that train wreck of a cover happened, but it did. Hopefully it raised some money and did some good stuff. Hopefully. Yeah. Matt, this remake tracked around the world. It got on the charts in over a dozen countries. The highest track listing was number two in Denmark. Oh. And why two? What kept this from getting to number one? I have a feeling you're going to tell us. I was going to clean my room until I got high. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna man. Listen, we want to stop AIDS. <laughs> well, only to a point. Yeah. I see you, Denmark. Denmark. What's wrong with you? Yeah, jeez. Alien Ant Farm was number three. <laughs> was it the Michael Jackson cover? Probably. Yeah, probably. I think it was. That's their probably. song, right? Let's cleanse this palette, Matt. This continues with What's Happening, Brother. Which is like the homecoming song to his brother, Frankie. Yeah. You're coming back from Vietnam and, and to others. It's symbolic of those who are lucky enough to come home. And it's a great example of how this album's one long track. Mm-hmm. And this song, I'll just give you a taste of it, very much feels like what's going on. Boys hell. When will it end? When will people start getting together again? Are things really getting better? Like the newspaper said. That bass, man. Yeah, man. James Jamerson. Apparently he was really stoked mm-hmm. because the bass parts they wrote for him were geared towards him. Mm-hmm. Like UB James. After that, it's Flying High in the Friendly Sky, mm-hmm. which is about drug use. But also makes use of the uh, was it American Airlines? Flying the friendly skies. Yeah. I don't think they ended up using that as in their commercials, which would have been amazing if they had. If that had just <laughs> somehow gotten by and yeah. no one noticed. Some uptight white executive like this is a great song. Yeah, my kid was playing this. I said we wrote that line. We should be able to use it. All right. After that, you've got a song, Save the Children, mm-hmm. which is about saving children. Yep. God is love. Then we get to Mercy, Mercy Me. Sound sounds like he's uh, playing racquetball. <laughs> he's just really good at the rhythm of racquetball. Man. Whoa, oh, mercy, mercy me. All things ain't what they used to be now. now. Where did all the blue skies go? Poison is the wind that blows from the north and south and east. Only song on the album that he wrote completely himself. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. He played piano. 
I didn't know he played piano. He was a drummer. That was his main instrument. I want to hear him play drums. He's like really bad. He was playing that racquetball at the beginning of the track. <laughs> That's right. What? Oh my gosh, dude. Matt, here are three songs. He didn't just play the drums. He was a drummer. <laughs> he was a drummer. This okay. is Marvin Gaye on drums. Really? Yes. Nice. Isn't that wild? What? I would have been like, uh, how blame? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on everything. Yeah. Here's another one. That's Marvin Gaye? Yeah. On Stevie Wonder. Fingertip. Yeah. Jeez. Really good, too. Yeah. Stevie Wonder, like, six? Yeah. I want to find footage of that. Jeez. All right. Here's another one. Seriously. Yeah. This That's is Marvin Gaye. And he wrote this song. And this is good drums, man. This roll. Yeah. Jeez. And he's hitting that snare. Yeah, he is. I had no idea. Dude. That's incredible. That's crazy. Here's one more. <laughs> God. Yeah. Marvin. Marvin Gaye. I mean, he didn't do sexual healing, so it stands to reason he would play drums on Freak Me. Yeah. <laughs> He's not this just like good voice, handsome guy. They're going to put him in a suit, put him with some good musicians behind him and make him a star. He's got the musical chops. He's got the experience and the desire and the talent to do all this. Oh, gosh, dude. Matt, again, if y'all haven't noticed, this show is a combination of (laughs) adoration for incredible moments in music and then just amazement at what later artists did with them. So, Matt, there's a music video that came out in 1991, released by Motown. Okay. First of all, it starts off with a picture of Marvin Gaye, mm-hmm. and then they made a fake tear come out oh. in the 90s technology. Oh. That. It looks like someone <laughs> dropped water on a picture. Then they just show pictures of smog and everything yep. with just famous people showing up in the background. David Bowie in the smog. Malcolm Jamal Warner's there, staring at you. Bobby Brown yes. shows up. Nobody's saying anything or lip syncing or anything. It's just pictures of the environment. There's a bird's nest, and then behind the bird's nest is Stevie Wonder. It's like, we need star power, but we can't really pay you to do anything, so we just want to see you. Was that like Barry Gordy's grandkids, like high school project? (laughs) Barry Gordy's like, yeah, we'll put that out on Motown. Yeah, It'll be on VH1. In their defense, I guess this was one of the first environmentally conscious songs of any notoriety to get regular airtime. People didn't care about the environment. Mercury in the fish? I want mercury in my fish. I thought that was a good thing. <laughs> Damn it, I want extra mercury. <laughs> Doctors are prescribing more mercury <laughs> in the 60s. <laughs> Let's see. Can't breathe well? Go ahead and put some of this asbestos paint on the walls. Make sure you double up on the mercury. You know, clear it up. Get yourself a little tar. You're going to no coat time. those lungs so that the air just flows right through. And don't wear a seatbelt. Constrict <laughs> your airflow. <No. laughs> yeah, so... This was the second million seller from What's Going On. Oh, we didn't even talk about Matt, or we alluded to. We're all over the place, people. <laughs> we alluded to What's Going On, the single being put out, apparently without Barry Gordy's knowledge, which nice. it's hard to believe, but let's yeah. say that happened. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go anyway, then Barry Gordy came and was just like, fine, but you're going to have to do the album in six weeks. You know? yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, right, right. <laughs> which, you know, kind of works. There was a deadline on it. Without getting too deep and heavy into stuff, another thing that's remarkable about this album, and even alludes to it in the liner notes of the CD I have, there's war or police 
violence or racism or environmental issues. This album came out in, what, 1971, 1972? And here we are 50 years later. These songs are timeless, but the issues are unfortunately timeless, too. The environment? Yep. Police brutality, abuse of children, war, Mm -hmm. and the impact of that. Social injustice. Someone could put this album out today and everybody like, yep, those are pretty relevant topics. Yeah. These songs make sense. I think that's why this was voted the number one album by Rolling Stone. Mm -hmm. And it had been number six. And so then in 2020... It mm-hmm. became number one. And you always wonder about that. We yeah. talk about There's those. recency bias, but then there's totally. topical issues. I mean, there's even a line of when can people start getting together again? And you're like, oh, that could be about COVID. But also, the people voting were a lot more diverse yeah. in terms of age, mm-hmm. especially younger, and then just Clearly. demographic, mm-hmm. cultural, and everything. So it's all of that. You never know. Right. And we're not saying it's one or another. But let's say there was recency bias. It doesn't take away from this album what people do with it later. All right. <laughs> The third song we're going to talk about (laughs) is the closing track, which is Inner City Blues. on bass okay part of the the funk brothers mm-hmm. he played on one other song the rest was james jamerson okay. they would trade off sessions but mm-hmm. bob abbott here's what he played bass on matt you ready okay. for this sign seal delivered i'm yours wow yeah war by edwin star mm-hmm. the tears of a clown wow by Smokey. mercy mercy me and inner city blues okay just my imagination wow by the temptations plus more you always hear about James Jamerson, and you should, but gosh, dude, this guy was good, especially Sign Seal Delivered. So I always felt like this was a kind of a gutsy song to end the album with. It's not rainbows and kittens. It's not poppy, or it's not an optimistic song. As time goes on, I realized the importance of it being on this album as the last song. Someone once said it was the album starts off people meeting on a street. 
Okay. And greeting each other. And it ends in the same way. They're back in, in the neighborhood. I forget who said it. It's a very African-American album. And it is. These are songs about and for you and what you're dealing with. It's such a great song. Hanif Abdurraqib, I've mentioned before. Mm-hmm. He's a poet. He is a music critic. He's got several incredible books. Little Devil in America. I think it came out maybe two years ago, and that was one of my favorite books of the year. They invited him to write on the 50th anniversary liner notes. Okay. And I love this. Here's what he said. It's an album that I knew I understood even before I understood what its central concerns were. I understood it by the way older people I love hummed along to it or turned it up or shook their heads solemnly when certain lines hung in the air. There it is. Google that. Hanif Cube on Marvin Gaye, what's going on? It's a Fantastic write-up. It is a heavy way to end the album, except it's a heavy album. Yeah. And then those liner notes that I have, they quote Janet Jackson as saying, Marvin Gaye was their John Lennon. Oh, wow. And then you've got Smokey Robinson saying it's the greatest album recorded by anyone ever. I kind of went into this one similar when we did Rubber Soul. It's, what am I going to bring to this discussion right. on an album like this that's not already been dissected and analyzed and celebrated? And at the end of the day, you, you just think, man, what an incredible moment in time. And it's just, we're lucky that he was able to capture the feel of the times. But again, with an album that's still timeless, even today. Here's one thing I noted about the album, Matt. He asks a lot of questions. Hmm. But here's the thing. And I looked. I poured over the lyrics. Okay. Of all the questions that he asks, he gives the same answer over and over again. And it's the only answer that he gives. Love. We've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. For only love can conquer hate. Hmm. Love your father. Love your mother. Love your sister. Love your brother. People, we all got to come together. Believe in one another. Believe in Jesus. I mean, he has a song on here called... God, God is, is love. love. Yeah. Yep. From 1 John 4. Mm-hmm. And I love it because he's saying the God that I love, the God that I know is this God. He's good. He's, he's, love. he's love. But I love that that's his answer is love. All throughout. And that is, I think, what resonates, whether or not you believe in Jesus or not. He's throwing all these problems out there and everybody needs and wants and I believe is created for love. And that's his answer. There is a pejorative sometimes with if you say someone's preaching at you. Yeah. And that's not what he's doing with this. Like you said, he's extolling the virtues of love and the virtues of community and how God oversees all of that and permeates all of that. Ah, with how brilliant this album is, <laughs> this next segment is going to be hard. Listeners, we challenge each other every week. If we had to remove a song, which one would it be? We didn't touch on it much, but his dad did murder him, Matt. Yeah. So we'll say that. Marvin's going to introduce you to his dad. To his dad. Yeah. If you don't remove a song. Oof. So if you had to remove a song off, what's going on, Matt? Which one would it be? That's a tough one. But if I had to remove a song, I think I would remove Flying High in the Friendly Skies. I go to the place where danger awaits me. And it's bound to forsake me. Want to remove it just because of the flow of the album and how it all intersects together and is connected, but it is the one song that I find my interest in it drifting yeah. away about halfway through it. Okay, what about you? What song would you remove? Y'all can come at me. I'm gonna remove Save the Children. When I look at the world, when I look at the world, it fills me with sorrow. It fills me with sorrow. Little children today. Children 
today Really gonna suffer tomorrow Really suffer and again, this is a symphony. You're taking out not just a song, but a movement. A movement. A, yeah. yeah. I was trying to think about the people for whom this was written Yeah, and the primary audience for this. And mm-hmm. it feels like the soldiers coming back, that escape and drugs mm-hmm. were such a part of that. That's why I left that one on there. Yeah, for me, Save the Children, I think it's a great message. Mm-hmm. I don't love the song. It's him talking and singing at once. Yep. That's it. There's not a good answer, as is often the case with classic albums. But now it's time for your senior quote. It's your senior year, and in the high school yearbook, underneath that dashing picture of you, you get to choose a quote that represents the journey you've been on, road that lies ahead. Mm. Matt, what is your senior quote from this album? It's from the opening track, What's Going On? Mm -hmm. Who are they to judge us simply because our hair is long? Yes. There's always going to be that friction between authority and long hairs. Gosh, especially then. (laughs) Don't tell me to cut my hair. Yeah. Doug, he still remembers when, you know, he's like 14. He was always trying to not get his hair cut. And I, from the backseat, was like, your hair's getting a little long, huh, Doug? And man, he shot me a look. And his mom, right then and there, looked in the rearview mirror and goes, it is getting a little long. Let's go get that cut. You turn. Goes to oh the my gosh. hair place and gets it cut. He was so mad at me because <laughs> he wanted to grow it out. What a friend. I know. What's your senior quote? I would choose from what's happening, brother. Mm-hmm. Are things really getting better like the newspaper said? What else is new, my friend, besides what I read? Ooh. You're coming off that senior year government class, <laughs> and you've just been talking about the issues. Yeah, and you're, you know everything that's going on in the yeah, world. You are going out into the real world, but I'm letting everybody know that I know what I'm stepping into. Yes, yes. I'm not flying high in the friendly skies. <laughs> <laughs> We always enjoy the engagement with Finest Work fans. Again, you can hit us up on social media at Twitter and Instagram at Finest Work Zones. Check out our Facebook page. Visit our website, finestworkzones.com. And as always, send us emails at finestworksongs at gmail.com. And maybe we'll read one of your emails in a future Kenny Gmail segment. We'll see you next time. Until then, let's go out honoring not just Marvin, but Tammy Terrell. You're all I need to get by. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. 
And check out any upcoming shows if you are in the Raleigh area. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music. <laughs>